I want to start by telling you a story this morning. And this is a story of a young lady called Mary Jones. And some of you may have heard this before. It's a true story. Mary Jones was born in 1784 to a very poor family in Wales. Her dad was a weaver and they really didn't have very much at all. When she was five years old, her dad died and she lived with her mum. And Mary developed from going along to the local chapel a real passion for reading the Bible. Now Mary herself couldn't read. She didn't start learning to read until she was 10 years old. But she was so passionate about the Bible, she decided that she wanted to earn some additional money to what her and her mum earned to basically keep them alive and put it to one side so she could go and buy her own Bible. So for six years, she did additional jobs for neighbours and people within their small community, and she saved money so she could buy a Bible. Now in 1780-whatever it was by this point, there were no shops or Bible bookshops or Amazon. And the only place that had Bibles for sale was a gentleman called Thomas Charles and he lived 26 miles away from where Mary lived and so Mary who wore no shoes decided once she had the right amount of money to take it and walk on her own those 26 miles to visit a man called Thomas Charles who she had heard sold Bibles from his house when she got there she so inspired this man and she got her Bible and she brought it home but she so inspired this man that he went on to set up the Bible Society which is still around today many of you may have heard of it if you haven't heard of it it's a society that basically makes sure that people can have a Bible in all sorts of countries in countries where Bibles can't be had they make sure there are bibles in those places and they do an amazing job but it was because of the inspiration if this 15 year old girl who walked with no shoes 26 miles to get a bible because she believed that the word of god was so amazing and so wonderful and would so change her life that she had to have her own copy in welsh may i add so that she could read it for herself she was undeterred by her lack of shoes and the 26 miles and the fact that they had no money. She was resolute in going and keeping going and keeping going. And the amazing thing about Mary Jones is that they say of her that as she went those 26 miles, which is a long way for a 15-year-old with no shoes on in the Welsh mountains, that she encouraged herself Keep going, Mary, you'll get there. Keep going, Mary, it'll be all right. I want to be like this. I want to chase after Jesus. I want to chase after his word, his truth, his promises. Don't you? Proverbs 4, 25 to 26 says this. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. 
Mary Jones had that down to a T. She knew what she wanted. She knew what she needed. And she went for it with everything she had. And also with everything that she didn't have too. You know, this year Paul shared our focus. You know, and maybe you've thought, oh, I'm going to do the Bible reading plans this year. I'm actually going to do them. I'm going to download you version. I'm going to read them every time. I'm going to download that pause app that they were on about and spend some extra time with Jesus. Maybe you've thought, I'm, I'm going to raise money this time. When we raise some more money for wheelchairs, I want to support that. I want to pray for the missions team. I'm going to go along to these going deeper nights when they come up. I'm, I'm going to join a small group, or I'm actually just going to attend the one that I go to. That would work too. But you've maybe thought, these are the things that I'm going to do this year. This is going to be my focus this year. This is what I'm going to do. And you know, very often we practically try and help ourselves. What can I do practically? Oh, I can do this or I can do that. And we try and put these things in place. But what do we often do? Let's be honest, we're halfway through a Bible reading plan. Did I actually read it? I downloaded the pause app. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet. Small groups have met. Whoops, I didn't go to that. And I I need to join in prayer and fasting because that's where I'm at. And we practically try and put these things in place, but sometimes we fall short and then we just feel rubbish about ourselves. Yeah? Is it just me? And what I've discovered, that what I need, that what we need, that goes above and beyond all these practical things, and those people who know me well are like, Sarah, you like practical things. You are a practical person. What I've discovered is the practical things, yes, they can be helpful. Yes, set a focus. Yes, set a goal. Yes, commit to do things. Yes, share with somebody and be accountable. But what we actually need above and beyond it all isn't a thing or a plan or a route. It's a who that we need. And that who is Jesus. And if we don't have Jesus, then doing all of those things, striving for all of those things, it's just going to fall by the wayside. So the first thing I want to say to you this morning is, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you want to bring change to your life, if you need understanding to help things go differently for you, it's what you look towards you will go towards. So if you're not looking towards Jesus, you won't go towards him. You've got to consider What pulls me? What consumes me thinking in my life? Maybe what drowns me some days? Maybe it's people. Maybe it's habits or addictions. Maybe it's fears or emotions. What are those things that consume your waking thoughts? You know, I remember a time as a young adult when all I wanted, all I was desperate for, all that consumed my thoughts was I was just desperate to be loved. I just wanted someone to love me and I was so desperate for it, it was all that I could see. And I was prepared to sacrifice everything and anything and I did to be loved. But I wanna tell you, when you fix your eyes on the mess of your own life, when you fix your eyes on the busyness of life, when you fix your eyes on the pain that you feel inside, when you fix your eyes on the shame that consumes you, when you fix your eyes on the hurt, then it's our reaction that defines our outcome. 
And our reaction to that pain and that shame and that hurt, it's not always positive. Psychologists talk about how we react to things and we find ourselves in a situation and we tend to do one of two things, fight or flight. They've added another one which is freeze. So you can pick. When you find yourself in a situation, what do you do? Do you come out fighting? Is there a little terrier in there? Do you flight and run for it because you think, I can't cope with this, I don't like this, ah. or do you just freeze? And you know, when we come out fighting, the problem is often that we fight with God as well. God, why have you allowed this to happen? God, why are you doing this? God, where are you? God, what is going on? God, I'm really not happy with you. Your Bible says this and you're doing this. God's like, okay, I'm really doing anything, but that's okay. Not only do we fight with the people or the situations, but we fight with God as well. Maybe we act by the flight and we run away. But if we do, I tend to think that we run away from God as well. Because we think, well, why is this happening? I'm just, everyone just, you can all just go away, including you, God. Maybe we freeze. And then no one's getting in, are they? Because our heart's a heart of stone. You know, there's a couple of examples in the Bible. Daniel in the lion's den. He did nothing wrong, and yet he got through in a den full of lions, ready to be eaten. The disciples on a boat in a storm, and the storm's raging, and they think they're going to die. You know, when we focus on the lions in our lives, when we focus on the storm that is raging around us, we become so overwhelmed with the fear of the storm or the fear of the lion that we forget who created the lion and who created the storm. Because there is a God in heaven above all things who holds all things, the good and the bad, the easy and the difficult. And instead of fighting or the flight or the freeze, Maybe God wants to teach us today. Let me suggest something else to you. Fight, flight, freeze, or faith. What am I going to step into? What is my reaction going to be? Because it will change the outcome. Because if I fight, I'm going to have to keep fighting. If I run, I'm going to have to keep running. If I freeze, it's so hard to move again. But if I say, Jesus, I want to have faith, even though my world's falling apart. Jesus, I want to have faith, even though my heart is broken. Jesus, I want to have faith, even though everything is falling apart. Then it actually brings something new and something different. Are you in a storm this morning? What did the disciples do? They woke Jesus up. Jesus is there with you. Just call on him. He's there. Maybe you feel like you're in the lion's den this morning. And it talks of Daniel being in the lion's den and it said God sent an angel to protect Daniel. Maybe this morning if you feel like there are lions wanting to devour you, then you should say, God, instead of me seeing just the lions, let me see your presence. Let me see an angel. And it may come in the form of another person who stands in the way for you or stands up for you. But God is there. And he wants to bring deliverance. Christine Kane says this, when you elevate your feelings above the word of God, then you are going to be incredibly unstable. 
But when you build your life on the certainty of the truth of the word of God, not on your feelings that are fleeting, then you will be able to navigate the future with a whole lot more confidence and a whole lot more courage and a whole lot more strength. Hebrews 12, one to three says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us. What is hindering you this morning? What's going on in that storm? What's going on where that lion's trying to eat you? What's going on with that thing that's trying to pull you in, that habit, that thing that you just can't stop doing, that relationship that you just keep running to? Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance that race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. If you feel weary and like you've lost heart today, consider Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Jesus doesn't change when relationships or circumstances or emotions or situations change. He may not change the situation or the circumstance, but he is there with you through it all. He is the way in uncertainty and confusion and fear. He is the truth in lies and accusations and shame. And he is the life in disappointment, rejection and loss. He will never leave you or forsake you. Just turn your eyes upon him. He's right there with you. But you know, it's hard. Let's be honest. It is hard to fix your eyes on Jesus. Some mornings I do my pause app and it gets to the end and I think, oh, I know what I'm doing for tea, but I wasn't really focused on that. Anyone else? And that's okay. You know, I think we beat ourselves up and go, oh, I should be fixed on Jesus. I should be focused. And my mind has just wandered off into oblivion. Don't be so hard on yourself. Come back. I'm going to refocus and go again, God. You've got to fight for your focus, though. You've got to fight for it. Is anyone easily distracted? I think everybody is, aren't they? Has anyone just gone already? Anyone thinking about what's for tea? It's okay, I'm not offended. If you planned your tea, God bless you, enjoy it. You know, it's so easy to get led down a rabbit hole. You know, I find myself scrolling on Instagram and then I get in the reels. I'm gone. I'm like watching someone paint a fence. I'm watching pandas sleep. Like, well, I just had the best half an hour of my life watching a panda sleep and a sloth really slowly reach for its baby. It's like, hurry up. <laughs> it's so easy to be distracted. You've got to fight for your focus. Employees say this that 60 hours a month are lost on employees' time because of distractions. 60 hours a month. These are the things that distract employees. Emails. I'm supposed to be answering emails. Emails, apparently. Phone calls. Send an email, don't phone call. Chatting to co-workers. 
biggest distraction in our office. I think you cover all of those 60 hours just as you come in and talk to everybody. You know, you may be distracted because you daydream, because of thoughts, because of feelings. Maybe you're hungry. How many people sit at the desk and go, oh, so hungry, so hungry, so hungry. And you'd answer these emails, but, oh, so hungry. Maybe you're hot, maybe you're cold. I've got a radiator right behind my desk. I do turn it down, that's what I'm wasting my time on. Turn it down now, I'm cold, turn it up. It's a distraction, now you're distracting me from what I'm trying to say in my preach. Be quiet. You know, on average, a person picks their phone up 58 times a day. 58 times a day. And all screen time sessions begin within three minutes of the last. Scrolling through those things. Keep scrolling. Panda's sleeping. If anyone wants to see panda sleeping, just panda's snoring. Has anyone seen that one? My word, I sent that to my girls. I'm like, whoa, this is like your dad. <laughs> but we're distracted. I've gone already. I've left what I was supposed to be saying to you. And I'm telling you about pandas, which is going to help you in no way in your spiritual walk this next week. But I've gone. And we've got to fight for our focus on what God wants us to do, what God is calling us to do. You know, the biggest problem, I think, is we want to focus on the things that make us feel good. We want to focus on the things that actually distract us from the pain and the hurt and the things that we don't want to think about and don't want to feel about. The enemy's tactic is distraction. His other tactic, when that doesn't work, is to get you to believe a lie. He'll distract you for long enough so he can convince you that a lie is true. Lizzie, can you put me those images on? Some of you may have seen this in the news this week. Hermit crabs are wearing plastic rubbish. Hermit crabs, basically, what they do is they grow, they're like, oh, my shell's too small, I'll just get rid of it, I'll go and walk along, and oh, look, there's one that another hermit crab's left. I'll have that one, that looks nice. They put it on. But hermit crabs, because they're wandering around at the bottom of the sea, and we've thrown that much plastic and rubbish in the sea, they're like, oh, this looks all right, this'll do, I'll put this on my back. Hermit crabs are actually finding plastic rubbish, rubbish bits of a light bulb, and they're living in them. Apparently, two-thirds of hermit crabs live in plastic. And you're thinking, what's this got to do with anything? You've really gone down a rabbit warren here, haven't you? Let me tell you. How often do we wander around and we just pick up the nearest thing to us to cover our shame, to cover our nakedness, to cover our mess, and it doesn't matter whether it's the right thing for us or the wrong thing for us. Is it the right relationship or the wrong relationship just because it makes us feel better? Is it the right new job or the wrong new job but just because it makes me feel better? Is this the right thing for my future, my course, whatever I'm doing, just because it makes me feel better? Should I actually be spending time looking at this online but actually it makes me feel better so I'm going to put it on anyway because the enemy distracts us in saying this will make you feel better he distracts us with the lie that this is okay for you this will do you good when actually in all reality 
that just doesn't look right. That is not normal or natural. But the enemy makes us think that actually it's okay. It's all right. The enemy says Jesus isn't faithful. He doesn't keep his promises. He certainly doesn't like you. He hasn't got a future for you. He's not going to fix your problems. And if you don't fight to fix your eyes on Jesus and remind yourself what the truth is, then you get led down the garden path to think this is normal and this is right. Jesus is not calling you to live covered and surrounded with a lie. He is not calling you to be surrounded with things that distract you, that are no good for you and not healthy for your life spiritually. He is calling you to strip those things off, fix your eyes on Jesus and allow him to clothe you. Allow him to clothe you with his grace and mercy. Allow him to clothe you with his praise. Allow him to clothe you with everything he has for you. Very often those things that make us feel better, that distract us, that pick us up, in the long term just cause problems. But when we're tired and things are difficult, it is so easy to listen to the easy way out. To think, oh, I'll just pick this up, it'll just be alright, this relationship will be alright. This, this thing that I'm going to do, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all right if I do this. It's going to be all right if I go out and get slaughtered every night. It's going to be all right if I go out and do these things. It's going to be all right if I don't do what I believe God's called me to all my life, but it's actually too hard, so I'm just going to say, forget it, and I'll just do this instead. It's going to be all right. I'll look all right in a bit of plastic. I'll look all right in the end of a little bulb. Yeah, I'm all right. Jesus said, I've called you to so much more. I've got something so beautiful to surround you in. Just bear with me as we go down this now. John 21, 15 to 17. This is after Jesus has died and rose again. After Peter has denied Jesus three times and Jesus comes and meets with them. The disciples have just had a huge catch on the shore as well. And Jesus is on the shore waiting for them. And, he cut, and the, the disciples come ashore and they eat with him and then Jesus and Peter talk. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What are these? I don't know. He's obviously these. What are these? It doesn't tell us. So, you know, it could be many things. It could be, do you love me more than these people who are here with us? Do you love me more than this huge catch of fish that we've done? It could be anything, we don't know. Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, we don't know what these things that Jesus were referring to. Maybe it was these things that caused Peter to deny Jesus. His fears, his anxieties, his worries that caused him to say, I don't know who he is. 
Maybe it was those things. Maybe it was the other people and what other people thought of him. We don't know. But what you will know is what are these things in your life? What are your these? Because Jesus wants to ask you this morning, do you love me more than these? What's your focus on? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these relationships? Do you love me more than your reputation? Do you love me more than your position? Do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than money and possessions? Do you love me more than your phone? Do you love me more than these? We have to make a choice to stay close. We have to take all of those anxieties and frustrations and hurts and hopes and dreams to him and let him refocus us so that we focus on him. And when we focus on him, we see all of his strength, all of his power, all of his grace and all of his mercy. Matthew 6, 33 says this, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. There's that word again. And all these things will be given to you as well. So all of these things that Jesus wants to know, do you love me more than? He wants to bless you with them anyway. Trust him. I said to you at the beginning, there was a time when I was so desperate to be loved. I was so desperate for a relationship. That was my these. And yet God was, when you come to me, let go of it all, hand it all away and trust me, then I will bless you with a these anyway. And mine's sitting on the front row. And he was so much better than the these that I was picking and the these that I thought would work for me and the these that I was giving my all to and throwing it all away for. Whatever your these is this morning, God has got a better these for you. So this morning, I want to encourage you. Take him at his word. This year, we've got memory verses and Bible reading plans and the pause app. And the reason we're doing it is because we want you to build a reservoir of God's word in your life that you can draw on, that you can stand on, that you can rely on, and that you can believe in through your storm and in your lion's den. If we know who God is and his promises, then they become bigger. And we don't keep asking, well, why is God allowing this? And why is God allowing that? But we trust him anyway, because he is bigger than all of those things. When you know the promise, the principle, when you know God's character, there is peace, there is joy, and there is assurance, regardless of the circumstances. And even when it's hard, even when going through the process breaks your heart and causes you to think, I can't manage with this anymore. He is there with you. Just keep your eyes on him. You know, in a minute, we're going to sing a song called Take You at Your Word. I want to encourage you this morning. What do you need to take him at his word over today? I spent hours and hours and years probably of my life listening to lies, wearing that plastic shell, listening to the lies that said to me, you're not good enough. You're not very nice. 
you're not lovable. And I believed it. It's been deep within me. And when people try to love me, I don't believe them. I think they're a liar because I don't believe that I'm lovable. When people say, oh, aren't you wonderful? I think, you don't know the real me. I'm not very nice. (laughs) Fool you. When you think, I'm just not good enough. I'm not a good enough mum. The girls would be better with someone else. I'm not a good enough wife. I ruin everyone's life who's near me. This is the lie that I've believed for years and years and years and years. I've had to change what I agree with. And even today, I have to change what I agree with. Because that plastic shell really likes me and wants to live on my back. And I've had to say to it, "Uh uh-uh, you don't live with me anymore. I'm not agreeing with you anymore. I'm going to agree with what God says, with what the Bible says. And I have to do it some days when I don't even believe it, when I don't feel it. And this is the problem we have because we think that we have to feel it. But what you have to do is declare it and say it and keep sowing it in and building that reservoir that says, I am good enough. That says, actually, God said when he made me, I am good. So I must be nice because God made me. And actually, I am lovable. And if other people don't love me, if other people reject me, if other people hurt me, that doesn't mean that I'm not lovable. So often the things that happen to us in our lives damage us and make us think a certain way about ourselves and put these plastic shells on us and say, that is who you are because that is what people have taught you to believe and that is what other people have said about you. This morning you need to know that Jesus says you are lovable, that you are acceptable, that he wants you, that he adopted you. When everyone else has said, we don't want you, we don't like you, we don't believe in you, we don't think you can Jesus says, I love you, my child. You can do it. You are loved. You are accepted. So how do you do it? Keep repeating those scriptures. Keep declaring those things over your life. Over and over and over and over. Until suddenly it goes down deep. And what's down deep begins to overflow. You know, when you pour something in a glass, it takes a while before it overflows. So if you keep pouring God's word in and thinking, but I still feel like this about myself, but I still think I'm rubbish, but I still think this, just keep on pouring it. Just keep on pouring it because eventually it will begin to overflow. Louis Giglio says this, how strong must be the lie that consumes you, that you are insignificant or inferior because of what you see in someone else or don't like about yourself. When the hands that stretched out the cosmos are the hands that held the knitting needles that fashioned you to unique specification in your mother's womb, stamping on you the spirit, the very image of the almighty God. Psalm 1, verses 2 to 3 in the message say this. Instead, you thrill to God's word. So instead, instead of all that, 
Instead of all those things that consume you, instead of all those things that have held you, instead of all those beliefs and lies that have racked you for years, instead you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree planted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. Mary Jones knew the power and the importance of God's word. I want to encourage you this year that we invest in God's word. Go out of your way for God's word. If you do, if you fix your eyes on Jesus, if you grab a hold of his word this year, then he will be the light in your path. He will bring abundant life. He will complete the work that he has started in you. He will fill you with his love and hope and you will be more than enough in him. Let's just take a moment to pray and then I want us to respond. Jesus, today, I choose to fix my eyes on you. Help me to hold fast to your word and your promises through any storm or distraction. Bring your word back to my remembrance. May I be at peace and relax as I take you at your word. Trusting all things will pass through your loving hands. Today I choose to love you more than any of these. You know, Mary Jones, she left all of these things behind so she could fix her eyes on Jesus and get her a copy of the Bible. You know, and she wasn't, she wasn't ashamed that she didn't have anything. She wasn't ashamed. You know, she turned up at this man's house with no shoes on. Sorry for people who've got a feet fetish. Or phobia, rather. <laughs> Sorry, wrong word. Either of those speak to the pastoral team after. You know, this morning, I want us to respond. Because them shoes, they can represent many things in your life. They can be that fight or flight. But this morning, God's saying, lay them aside and step forward in faith. Those shoes, they can be that lie that you're listening to. Leave them behind and come and find the truth in God's word. Those shoes, they can be these things. These are the things that have held me. These are the things that are focused on. Leave them behind and allow Jesus to fill you. And I just want to invite you to stand and we're going to sing this song, Take You at Your Word. And it is quite a lively song. And I know we're having a moment. But the words in it are significant, I believe. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. And for some of you, this is going to be uncomfortable because you've got holes in your socks. Or you've got no socks on. But this morning, I'm going to ask you to take your shoes off. Take them off and walk forward. Walk away from those these. 
Walk away from those lies. Walk away from that fight or flight that has held you for years and say, oh no, I'm going to step out in faith. This morning, take your shoes off and as you do, I want to invite you, come forward. I'm going to come stand at the front because I want to say to Jesus, Jesus, I don't want those lies in my life anymore. I don't want to run away anymore. I don't want to fight with people anymore. I don't want these things anymore, but Jesus, I need you. So this morning, come forward. You may not all get down to the front, but just move from where you are. Take your shoes off, leave them behind and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. This morning, we're going to take him at his word. That word that is a lamp unto our feet. That word that is all things. Thank you, Jesus.